Hey, I want you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Peter. And for the next few weeks, I want to talk to you about uh, something that's pretty central to your life as a Christian. Pretty central to the themes that Jesus taught us and the apostles carried on in the New Testament. And that is that God wants you to know him and God wants you to be like him. God just wants you to think about the phrase godliness. Now that's a, or a word, rather. That's a word that's in throughout your Bible, godliness. And what does that mean, to be godly? It's funny, in our own language, godly sounds okay. But if you said godlike, that's a little weird, right? If you said, you know, I'm godlike, everybody like, wow, you need, to, you need to be taken down a few pegs, right? <laughs> did you see what I just did there? Godlike. Well, godly kind of means the exact same thing. I don't know if you want to use godish. That's even weirder. That just sounds like you haven't made your mind up about it. But language is a funny thing. The scripture talks about us being godly, about us being like him. In fact, most of the time in your Bible, when it uses the word godliness, it's a word that doesn't even have, it's a Greek word that doesn't even have the word for God in it. Uh, but it is a word that means to, to take on his nature, to be like him, to be reverent towards God, and it changes the way you live because that, that nature of God, that character of God, the likeness of God is now part of your life is now part of what's coming out of you. And so I want to talk to you about, about this this morning because I think a lot of us, uh, you, you base your life on a template that you see. You, when you were growing up, you based your life, you, you, you kind of looked at the people around you, some of the earliest people that imprinted on your nature were your parents. You, you watched them, you looked at them. Some people didn't have that. Some people didn't have a good home life, and so they grew up saying, well, the only, I, only thing I can tell you is I'm not going to be like my dad, or I'm not going to be like this. Sometimes you find the things in you that you wish weren't like the people that you grew up with, but they crop up, and you go, where did this come from? I said I would never be like this. I said I would never do that, and there I am doing it again. When we look at the scripture, we look at what Jesus said. Jesus gave us the perfect example of how to truly be human. I know he was fully God and fully man, but he taught us how to be human. We've forgotten how to be human. The world has forgotten about how to be human. God created us a certain way. Sin robbed us of our humanity. What do you see in the scripture? Psalm 73, what do you see? When the, when the psalmist is so frustrated and bitter about what's going on, he says, I was like a beast. I was like an animal. And then he said, then I came into your presence, and I saw what you saw. Everything changed when he came into the presence of God and looked at God. Because when you, you come into the presence of God, when you worship God, when you be, what are we doing when we're worshiping? We're beholding him. We're adoring him. We're looking at him and going, this is who you are, and it's amazing. And when we get into that place now, not only are we looking at God and saying, this is what you're like, now we're beginning to see like he sees. We're beginning to, to, to be transformed into his nature. See, see, the psalmist said, I was like a beast, and that's what sin does. Sin has taken from, from the very first moments with Adam and Eve. What sin did was bring us back to a place of, of animal instinct, do what you feel. Go by what you see. Go by what you hear. But we weren't created to live just simply by our own five physical senses. Thank God for them. 
But that's not meant to be everything that guides us. We are spiritual beings. We're meant to know and to see things that, that your eye, your physical eyes can't perceive, your ears can't perceive, you can't smell, you can't taste. We're meant to, to know God who, who you can't see with your eyes. And yet the, the scripture says you, you don't see him, but you love him. And because of this love for an unseen God, it says you rejoice with joy inexpressible, full of glory and full of grace. And so here we are as believers, we're coming back to what humanity is meant to look like. Jesus restored humanity. And he showed us what it meant to be a full human. To be a full human, to be like Jesus. What Jesus didn't say, hey, now that I've, you know, listen, I'm perfect. I don't need anybody telling me what to do. To the contrary, Jesus said, I don't do anything unless I see the Father do it. I, I don't say anything until I, as I hear him say it. I do what the Father tells me to do. Jesus lived a life that was subordinate to God. We don't like the word subordinate. Subordination sounds bad. Don't, don't, don't put me under anybody or anything. But, but we were created to be in this relationship with God where he's, he's God and we're people. And that, that, that is the way it is. So when I say to be like him, it's like a son or a daughter is like their father or mother. Now, what was the lie that, that Satan told Adam and Eve? You know, God doesn't want you to know all this stuff. If you did, wouldn't you be like him? Now, you see, that's the kind of likeness that, that we shouldn't be chasing. They were like God. They were created in his likeness, in his image. He's a creator, so he gave them tools to create. He, he didn't say, just stay out of the way, I'll make sure the planet runs. He said, you make sure the planet runs. Be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth. He gave them dominion over all the animals and the plants. They were given that rulership. They were saying, let's be like our father. And Satan came along with a lie. Because what Satan was selling them was not to be like God in his nature, was not to be like God in his character. What Satan was selling them was you don't really need God. He was selling them independence. He was selling them this lie that, hey, you could do everything God can do. Why don't you just do your own thing? Do you really need him? If you, if you ate of this tree, you'd know everything he knows. He doesn't want you to know that because he wants you to need him. We are created to need him like we're created to need oxygen. So when I say to be like God, I'm not saying you are now God and you took his place. Because we are always created to worship. We are created as sons and daughters of the living God to stand in awe of him, to serve him, to love him. And he is our God. We are his people. He is our father. We're his children. But how many times in the scripture does he say, be like me? Be like me. Walk in the likeness of me. It's all throughout your Bible especially in the New Testament, because something radical has happened. You got saved. You got saved from the sinful nature. And this is what we're going to read in 2 Peter chapter 1. And through the next few weeks, we're going to talk about certain aspects of God where he straight up says, be like me. This is what I'm like. Now do this. Be like me. Be like your father. In 2 Peter 1, Peter lays out the case here and, and strongly of, of the fact that you're not who you used to be, and there's, there's a call in your life. There's a purpose on your life. He signs the letter, Simon Peter, a bondservant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours, by the righteousness 
of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So the faith you have, the hope you have, is because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. What Jesus did for you paved a way for you to live this life. So let me just tell you right now, if we were all just uh, unregenerated, not born again, people that came to church in order to learn how to live a good life, let's just say we, let's just say we didn't really believe that Jesus rose from the dead. We, we figured he died in the first century. Um, it was sad. Probably didn't rise from the dead, but he taught us some good things. He has some good teachings we could learn from. We all came to church, and we attempted to live that life. I'm going to tell you, we would fail at it over and over again. We would misunderstand it. We'd trip up trying to do it. Thomas Jefferson, I've, you know, you, most of you know this, but Thomas Jefferson, brilliant guy, wrote the Declaration of Independence, was the third president of the United States, a genius in many ways, but a fool in others. I have a copy of Thomas Jefferson's, a replica of Thomas Jefferson's Bible that what he did was he took all his Bibles and he cut out in the Gospels the stuff. He, he, he cut and paste and he cut out all the miracles and he cut out the resurrection and said, we can learn from the life and morals of Jesus Christ. But I don't believe in miracles and I don't believe in the resurrection. And the scripture says... Paul said it real clearly, and here's a man who knows about resurrection. Here's a man who was spiritually resurrected. One of the worst, crim I mean, worst persecutors of the faith became the greatest proclaimer of the faith, a man that Jesus saved. He knew resurrection firsthand, and he says this, if Christ is not raised, we are most without hope. Oh, we might as well eat, drink, and be merry, because tomorrow we die. There's no point in any of this. We are to be pitied above all. And so there's nothing more pitiful than a group of people coming to church just to learn. Let's learn how to be good people without the power of God to transform you. It's pathetic and it will never work. And it's idolatry because we think we could do it. We can do it because of Jesus' righteousness. We can do it because of what he did. So now we can live the life he called us to live. But you can never do it if there's no resurrection. You can never do it if you were not born again. I've said this so many times, you might be tired of me saying it. But uh, I, I have, I've, you, you watch a play or you, uh, you know, my, we used to play still waters downstairs. How many children's ministry teachers do we have in the room right now? Yeah, keep those hands proud. We're, we're very thankful for you. Thank God for the children's ministry teachers. Uh, what do you guys do when, when the preaching's still going, but you're done? Still waters. Things haven't changed in, what, 30 years. When I was in children's church, they did still waters too. And, and it was a long game because my dad preached for a very long time. And my sister was the champ of Stillwaters because she would just lie on the ground and go to sleep. <laughs> Stillwaters is a game, if you don't know, where you count down and say, one, two, three, Stillwaters, and everybody has to be still. Now, the boys are trying to make it challenging, so we're doing things like this. And you can't hold that for very long. My sister, she's in it to win it. She just lies on the ground, goes to sleep, and she'll win. So, you know, you got to poke her, make sure she's still alive, but she's good. <laughs> A living person can play dead. 
But I've been to a lot of funerals. I've never seen a dead person pretend to be alive. And so a Christian can live like the world. You can live like a dead person. You can act like dead people. But a dead person cannot pretend to be alive. You can't pretend to love with the love of God. You can't try your best without Jesus' help. You can't try your best to be holy as he is holy. This is a miracle that had to take place. Something had to be taken from, something had to die so that something could be resurrected. And that's what happened on the cross. Something died. And what happened in the resurrection? Something rose. Someone rose. You were there. Here's what it says. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Hear that. Grace. Now, what is grace? That's God's ability where you don't have ability. So we live by grace. We stand in grace, right? So grace is all those things that God gave us through Christ. Grace is all those things that God does through us and for us that we couldn't do ourselves. So when we're weak, he's strong. I'm speaking today because of the grace of God. I'm not qualified or equipped to do this without Jesus. It's the grace of God that that is enabling me to stand up here and minister to you this morning. So grace, we all need it. We need it all the time, right? We need his ability. We need his strength. We need his power in our life. He says grace and peace be multiplied to you. And I love that word multiplied. It wasn't uncommon in his day to say, may this be added to you. That you would give someone a blessing and say, I, I pray that peace be added to you, that something be... But, but Peter goes way beyond that. He says, be multiplied to you. His prayer is that grace and peace would be multiplied. Does anybody need that in your life? Yeah. Could you use multiplication of grace and peace in your life? He says, here's how it is multiplied to you. It's through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. There's a reason that we put, and we need to put more of an emphasis than we've put in the past, an emphasis on discipling people. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples of all nations. Now, lately I've heard people say, they've read that like you're supposed to make disciples of all nations, so I'm discipling Canada, I'm discipling Mexico. That's not what it means. It says it's talking about disciples from all nations. You you can't baptize a nation, but you can baptize people, right? And so Canada is not going to receive, you know, is is not going to get saved and go to heaven, and, and there's just Canada sitting there. There are people in Canada that are. How do you do it? You preach to them. You baptize them. And this is what he said. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to do all I've commanded you to do. That's why it's so important that we, that we don't neglect being taught about the Lord. Hosea, there's this great verse in Hosea that says, let us press to know the Lord. Let us press to know God. And so we want to teach. We don't want to teach like uh, just merely intellectual teaching that's just like academic, that's just learning more info. We want to teach in a spirit-empowered, spirit-filled way that something is being imparted to you as you hear faith is rising, as you hear stuff's happening, as you hear you're believing and, and, and that's causing you to live. You're coming back to life. Here he says it's in the knowledge of God. Now, you don't just know by being taught by other people, right? 
For me to know my wife, I can't just like take a class on my wife. I didn't just go around to all her friends and interview them and say, what's Tia like? Tell me more. I, I, I would only know a fraction of my wife that way. To really know her and to know what she likes and to know what her character is and her personality and know what she doesn't like. I have had to spend, I get to spend time with her. Not had to. I, I genuinely, like you, you, see, you see us at home. We like spending time together. She's my favorite person to be around. And so I've gotten to know her. And so when we talk about knowing the Lord in the knowledge of him, you can't just say, well, then I'll come to church and the pastor will tell me all I need to know. That's not enough. There has to be a relationship. This is important, but it's not enough. And here's what he says. May this grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So the more you know God, the more grace and peace are going to be a part of your life. Seeing, so this is important that you see this, right? It's important that your eyes are open to this. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. So his divine power, he has done something with his divine power. So you you talk about the the power that created the universe, the power that formed the stars, the power that created you, the power that holds it all in place. His divine power has granted you something. But we all know you can have a grant that you never never see, you never receive. A grant, you you have to receive it, you have to go get it. Something can be yours and you never have it. This is granted to you, but you have to receive it. Everything pertaining to life and godliness. I love this. Because, you know, it's such a cool thing when the light bulb goes on in someone's, in their eyes, and their heart, when they realize that, 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 that this, this is not just a segment of life. Like, there are people in the world that think this is what you're doing this morning on Sunday morning. You all came to uh, just kind of fill out the, and, and put the check mark on the spiritual part of your life. This is the religion part of my life. And I got to do the work part, and I do the fun part, and I do this part, and I do the exercise part, I do the eating part. But this is the religion part, and I go to church. Once a week, we get that done. Maybe if I'm extra good, I'll go to a life group or something. But that's, it's checked off. But when the light goes on and you realize this isn't part of my life, this is everything. Like the, my relationship with God, what Jesus has done in me, the Holy Spirit dwelling in me is everything. And it affects my work. And it affects when I play hockey. And it affects wh- which movie I go to and which one I say, I don't think the Holy Spirit's good with this. I'm not going. And it affects the way you travel and it affects the way you sleep and affects all these things because it's all of life. And everything that you need to live your life is found in Him. And everything you need to be godly, He's already given it to you. So we go through life with our superheroes and we go, that was a godly person. And we should look at people. The Bible says to, to, to consider those that led you. And uh, it says, consider them. It says, imitate their faith, considering the result of their life. Imitate their faith. Live like those people. We're supposed to have some people that we go, that's, that's somebody. I can follow them as they follow Christ. I can look at that person and say, that's a model I want to look at. 
That's a life I can, I can pattern some things after. But at the same time, at the same time, we can't just create this class of spiritual superheroes. Those are godly people. Then there's the rest of us down here that clap for the godly people. You are meant to be godly. And God has already given you everything you need to be godly. He's already granted it to you. Here's what he says. He has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through so how do I get it? So if it's granted to me, how do I get it? If I had a grant from the city, I know I got to go down to city hall. If I had a grant from the provincial government, a grant from the federal government, you know how to get that. How do I receive what's been granted to me from God? He says, this is how it comes to you. Through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory, not yours, his own glory, his own excellence. So excellence is the way God behaves that's a result of his nature. He is excellent. His excellence is his, is his nature in action, okay? So when he does God things, when he does good things, Sister Rhonda said that God is good. She learned that God was good. She learned that God was faithful. And when you see that in action, that's his excellence. His glory and his excellence is granting to you all this stuff. So it's the true knowledge of him. This is the cool thing. When you learn that God is faithful, you become faithful. Not just by knowing it, but by saying, all right, if you're faithful, and you live in me, I can be like that. Paul said it that way. He said, um, our, our answer to you is not yes and no at the same time. He said, we're not, we're not going back on our word. We keep our word. We're men of our word. Because as God is faithful, so are we. Isn't that awesome? He's saying, the reason I'm faithful is because God is faithful. I'm faithful because my God, who is faithful, has put something in me. I may have been the most shifty, that you couldn't count on me. My word was never my bond. I, I would go back on it all the time. That could have been you. But now, I have received the Holy Spirit. I have been born again. I've been recreated in the likeness of my God, and he's faithful. I can be faithful too. Bible says that Jesus Christ has been made unto us righteousness, wisdom, sanctification from God, redemption. Jesus is your wisdom. You might have been the dumb. I don't want you to raise your hand, but you could have been the dumbest person in, in, in the region of Lloydminster. Just, just like, just no common sense and no any other sense. Like that could have been you. But Jesus has been made unto you wisdom. So you could say, there is a wisdom that's being granted to me that I didn't have before. And I know some smart people that are not very wise. Like their IQ's up there, and they just keep doing stupid things over and over again. So we need this. Watch what he says. He goes on. For by these, by what? His glory and his excellence. By his glory and by his excellence. So you didn't pay for this, right? This didn't come from your account. It came from his account. What, what do we say? What did Paul say to the church of Philippi? He said, my God will supply all your needs according to his glory. According to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So this is according to what he's offered, his glory, his excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious 
and magnificent promises. Precious means you can't just go out and find it anywhere. It's not common. They're high, they're valuable. They're, they're not something you could ever just go and stumble upon. They're precious and they're magnificent. These promises are precious, they're magnificent. So that by them, by these promises, this is why it's important that you know these things. What did 1 Corinthians 2 say? You got to know what God's will is for your life, and the Holy Spirit wants to tell you so that you can know the things freely given to you by God. Because if you know the things God's freely given to you, you'll receive them. There are people who go all their life and don't know that they can be filled, baptized in the Holy Spirit. There are people that go all their life and don't know that God can heal them. And so they don't ever experience it. There are people that go all their life and don't know the love that God has for them. John wrote this in 1 John. We have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. Once you know it, now you have to believe it. But once you know and believe it, that's how you receive. Like when you know something you got to choose whether you're really going to put your weight on it. Am I really going to trust that? Do I really believe it enough that I'm going to put all my weight on it, and if it breaks, I'm dead? Because if you're at that place, that's a place of faith, and that's a place of receiving. Thank God for it. So what do we have to do? We have to know it. But here he says, by these promises, by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in this world by lust. By his promises, you are going to partake of his nature. Divine. His nature. You're going to be like him. Now, this is not what Satan told Adam and Eve. Satan told Adam and Eve, you don't need God. You can know everything he knows and just he's, he's extra parts. You don't need him. We say... We can't do a thing without you. Without you, we're nothing. I'm never going to be God. I don't want the job. Couldn't handle it if I did. I am always going to be his child. That's exactly who I'm meant to be. But children, you know, I'm talking about children. I'm talking about children who, who had, a, a, you know, the, the children, maybe you have them now. Maybe you're going to have them someday. You always want for your kids that they, they, they grow up knowing that you love them. Knowing that you put everything you have in them, everything good, that's what you want to be able to say, everything good in me, I put in you. Isn't it funny sometimes when you talk to some of these kids that are just like carbon prints of their parents? Sometimes some of these ranch kids, I love talking to them because sometimes like they've just been hanging around. They know stuff we don't know in the city, you know, and you just talk to them and be like, hey, how's the year going? That's a pretty good year, but uh, need a little bit more rain on those crops. How old are you? You're five. Yeah. And they just, and they just like stand like their dad stands, right? Put their thumb right on their belt like that. Yeah. Well, at least the riders won, though. Yeah, that's good. You know, you're like, how old are you? You sound like you should be getting coffee at Tim Hortons right about now. Just hanging out, talking about life. I love it. Because what are they doing? Well, they're seeing, they're seeing this is who my dad is. Or, or these, these little girls are going, this is who my mom is. And, and this is somebody I want to be like. Now, as Jesus said, if that's what your earthly parents are like, and they're not perfect, how much better is your heavenly father? And he wants his kids to be like him. This is the thing you got to realize. When you were born again, 
you were reborn as a child of God. John 1 says this, to those that believed in his name, he gave them the right to be called the children of God. And so there's a theme throughout the, the Old and the New Testament. In their culture, there are two truths being, when we say you're sons of the living God, you're daughters of the living God, there are two truths being played out here. There's the natural kids. You're, you're the natural, we've been born again, and we, we, we are heirs according to the promise. We are literally the children of God. But there's something else. A lot of times in their culture, when they said, this is the way you're acting, this is the way you live, they would call you sons of this, right? So when Jesus got in an argument with the Pharisees, he said, you're acting like your father, the devil. It doesn't, he's not saying that the devil had babies. Because these, these guys were born into believing families. These guys were born, and they, as kids, were taught about Yahweh, taught about God. But they'd strayed from it. And they're following a path that God didn't lay out. And so he says, you're being like your father, the devil. So he's telling them the way, the, the path, you, the way you think, the way you're living, you're patterning it after the wrong pattern, and you're of your father, the devil. Well, he gave them the opportunity to be reborn, to change. It, it's, it's, it's often in the scripture, it says, now we are the children of God. It does not appear who, what we shall look like, but we know when we, when, when we see him, we'll be like him. But at the same time, there are, there are times in scriptures when it says, when you do this, you will be sons of the living God. And what he's saying is, you're going to, you're going to, your life is going to reflect God's ways. He's going to reflect his nature. You'll be like his kids. You'll be his ambassadors. You'll be his imprint. When we were created, we got a gift that no other creature got. We were honored with the image of God imprinted on us. The scripture says that God said, let us make man in our own image. Didn't say that about dogs. Didn't say it about horses or any other creature. Let us make humans in our own image. Now, there's only one God. He's not, he's not talking to other gods, but Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Right? Let's make man in our own image. We were created with the image of God, and we were created in the likeness of God. So we were created with a physical image that looks like God. Now, I know God can take any form he wants. I know God is bigger than the universe, and yet we can perceive him, right? So he can, he'll allow you to see him. He'll allow you to perceive him. When John was caught up into heaven, he could see God. Right? And so God is, 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 will enable you to, to perceive him, to see him. At the same time, we know there's something about God that we look like. We've been given his image, right? And so the scripture talks about us honoring all people, whether they're saved or unsaved. Whether they're idiots or they're nice, it doesn't matter. We honor them, why? Because they bear the image of God. So we honor God by honoring that image. And that's all throughout the Bible. We honor authority because God is the highest authority and authority comes from him. We honor our father and mother because all father and motherhood comes from God. He's the ultimate father. So it's not about whether someone deserves honor. It's about the fact that we honor God. Now here, and we got to get through this quickly. So let me just rush through it here. Let's read this. He says, 
having become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now that corruption, remember I talked about how we were created to be like him. But sin stole that from us. And it's been rotting away. Our humanity has been rotting away through the process. When Jesus came, he restored not, you, you never lost the image. You lost the likeness. A kid can still look like their dad, but not act anything like him. The Bible says we have been, read it in Ephesians 4, read it in Colossians 3. It says that we have been recreated in the likeness of God in all holiness and truth. So it's not about your outward image now. It's about your inward image. It's about the way we live. Now watch what he says. For this reason also, because we become partakers of the divine nature, applying all diligence. So I have his nature, but I still got to work. That's what diligence is. It says try. I love how people, I don't love this. It's funny how people are like, you know, if the Lord wanted me to do it, I would just do it. No, it's not true. That's why there's obedience. Obedience and faith takes action. It takes diligence. You're deciding this is what I'm going to do. That's why I just quoted from Ephesians 4 and Colossians 3. In both of those passages that talks about you being a new person in Christ and you being recreated in God and you being in his likeness, in both of those passages it says over and over again, put off the old self and put on the new self. How do I put it on? I live it. So I got to say, God's love is in me. I'm going to choose to love this person. I don't want to love them. They don't love me back. There's so much that's unlovable about them. But if God's love is in me, I'm going to choose to love. And the moment you choose, the power of God is there to make it happen. You'll find a love you could not conjure up for them. When you choose to forgive, when you choose to to walk in a way that you never would have walked before. He says, applying all diligence, that means you don't let up on the gas pedal. You hustle about this. You work at this. But do it in the grace of God. In your faith. So your faith is saying, God, you're doing this in me. In your faith, supply moral excellence. So you being a good person that lives a good life that honors God comes from your faith in God. You're saying, God, I can't live that life by myself. God, I can't be that person. I'm not that person. How many of you have said that? I'm not that guy. I'm not that person. I'm not that. I I can't do that. That's not me. You need to stop saying that. You need to stop saying that about the things that God has told you you are. I got, I got smacked in the face one time. Not literally. Well, I've had that happen, but this was different. I was, I, I, I was at a meeting, and a bunch of us minister, people in ministry were just praying together and talking together. There were some things that God had been putting and, and talking and about, uh, you know, some of the things this church was stepping into. And there were things I realized were not my expertise. They weren't my areas that I was skilled in. And as we're driving away, some of these other pastors and leaders, they were aces at this. They were so good at it. And I was driving away. I said to my friends, I said, I'm not that guy, though. I'm just not that guy. That's not the way my brain works. That's not me. I'm not that guy. And I went home that night, and the Holy Spirit corrected me really strongly. He said, don't ever say you're not that guy. You'll be exactly who I told you to be. Who you need to be in that moment, that's what I'll make you to be. You don't don't disqualify what I'm doing. 
That's not, you don't have the right to do that. So I went back and I drove back and I was driving the same friends that we'd driven to the hotel. And I said, guys, I need to apologize to you because I said this to you, so I'm going to apologize to you. I said, I'm not that guy. And I got corrected. I'm sorry. I should never have said that. I'm, I'm going to be exactly who God wants me to be in the season he wants me to be. And I got into the meeting that we, we drove to the meeting and we had a, a wonderful time of praise and worship. And then one of our friends, who was a strong prophetic gift, came over and began to prophesy over Tia and I. And then he looked at me and he said, and don't, and this guy was not in the car. He had no conversation. He was not aware of it. He said to me, don't say you're not the guy. It's like, you already told me that. (laughs) But it was confirmation. You're not that person. You weren't that person. You know moral excellence. Anybody, would you ever describe that? Would you ever put that on your resume? Moral excellence. You'd feel like you didn't have the right to do that. Who, who's that person that thinks they're that? He says, this is what happens. In your faith, supply moral excellence. That comes from believing God. You can do this in me. In your moral excellence, knowledge. So the way you live affects what you know. In your knowledge, self-control. In your self-control, perseverance. In your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he says the way you're going to really know God is by, just like your, your little kids did when they saw you walk around, at one point they try to walk too. They hear you talk, and the first thing, you know, when your, your, your babies are imitating you, and they, they think they're talking, and, bah, 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 and they're babbling along, and they're looking at each other, and they think they're doing exactly what you do. Yeah. And you don't say, stupid child, that's not English. You failed at speaking. Never try again. No, you know, this is good. They're imitating. Yeah. And in their action of trying, The first time they got up, they fell, and they might have fallen just a thousand times, but they keep getting up, and in their diligence to continue, by taking those steps, they're learning. He says here, if these qualities are yours, they should increase in you. The first time you tried to do something like this, the first time you tried to live this out, you might have been really bad at it. But those qualities increase in you because it's a fruit of the Spirit. It's, It's a gift of God. And faith increases, and it increases in the action. The less you act on your faith, the less faith you're going to have because you're training yourself to be a hearer and not a doer. Faith is not about just believing something so hard. Faith is about the action that comes from belief. And he says, if these qualities are yours and they're growing in you, they will render you neither useless nor unfruitful. In the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Does anybody here want to be useless? Anybody want to be unfruitful? All right, so here's your answer. And watch what he says. For the one who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. You forgot what Jesus did for you. You forgot that you were born again. You ever see those movies where the, the hero of the movie has forgotten that he's got these 
fighting powers or whatever. Like he's been trained and he wakes up and he's got amnesia and he doesn't remember who he is and all of a sudden these things are coming back to him. As a believer, the scripture says by not exercising these gifts and exercising these muscles, you could forget who you are. James says that. When we turn away from God's word and we don't do what we know, we're like someone who has looked at a mirror then turned away and forgotten. And what God is saying is don't forget who you are. You're my kids. And my kids are supposed to be like me. We said this so many times, especially three years ago when we, we taught on this for a while. And those of you who were with us in, that, in the church at that time, you'll remember this. But this was a kind of a phrase we said over and over again, that the world needs Jesus. And if the world needs Jesus, then the world needs the church. But the world needs the church to be full of Jesus. They need Christ-like people. They don't need PG-rated versions of themselves. They need Christ-like people. They need Jesus in our... We need Jesus in Lloydminster. We desperately need Jesus in Canada. So what we need is a church to be like Jesus. Not a cheap imitation. You're not doing your best impression. It's not phony. It's not fake. It's, it's somebody saying, I have now been recreated like that child that, that is copying the behavior of their parents, but they happen to look like their parents because they share the same DNA. Amen. Something happened. You were adopted, but it was the most radical adoption I've ever heard of because yeah. the scripture says we were reborn. Yeah. They don't do those kind of adoptions. You don't adopt a kid and they go, okay, you have to go through birthing again. That's not a thing. Thank God. But you, you were reborn. And so now you carry something in you. There's a nature in you. And like I said, over the next few weeks, we're going to dive deep into this because we're going to see how God says, be like me in this. Be like me in this. As you look on him, there are things about God you're going to learn that are not just for you to say, well, thank God he's like that and I'm not, that you're going to say, I am becoming more and more like you. Everything good in me comes from you. And we look at our kids and we say, we've put everything good we had in you. We want you to go far. We want you to do great things. We don't want you to make the same mistakes we made. Now, thank God, God never has to say that because he's never made mistakes. When you look at your kids, you say, all the good I have, I put in you. I've tried to teach you everything I know. We're hoping you'll be the best of us. How much greater is our Heavenly Father who put everything he had in you? So when we say he is this, he says, now be like me. Be holy as I'm holy, he says. Jesus said, be merciful as your Father is merciful. This is the scripture. This is Jesus. This is, this is the way we were meant to live. And as you're doing it, he is restoring your humanity. We're the, we should be the most human people the world's ever seen. Isn't that funny? Because when we say we're only human, we're usually making up for our mistakes. But to really be human, the most human human that's ever lived is Jesus Christ. And to tell you what, the enemy tells you this is human nature. It is not. It's fallen nature. Human nature is to be made in the likeness of God and to say, if you are this, then I want to be like that too. And you're not replacing God. You're not saying, hey, I don't need you anymore. I know you're not going to know everything he knows. 
but you are going to be transformed into his likeness from glory to glory, from grace to grace. And the final step of that happens when we finally see him face to face. The scripture says when we see him, then, then even our physical bodies, everything will be like him. But we are challenged right now, 2023, right here on this planet that is groaning under the weight of sin, that is growing under the birthing pains, waiting for Jesus to return. And there are natural disasters and there are wars and rumors of wars. And there are nations turning against nations, brothers against brothers, sisters against sisters. And yet in this planet, the Bible says this, he is teaching us the grace of God has appeared, it says in Titus. The grace of God has appeared, teaching us how to live godly lives, to be godly in this present age. In the present age. So if your godliness needs perfect situations, it's not godliness. The grace of God has taught us how to be godly in this present age where everything's going crazy. The world needs Jesus.